He's out of Fort Bragg. Now what the hell were they doing here? I don't know, Dutch. This is inhuman. Nobody told me there was an operation in this area. They shouldn't have been here. Somebody sent them. What happened here, Billy? Strange, Major. There was a firefight. They were shooting in all directions. Can't believe that Jim Harper walked in an ambush. I don't believe he did. I can't find a single track. Just doesn't make sense. What about the rest of Harper's men? There's no signs. They never left here. for no soldier to die. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that analyzes the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm your host, John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And today we are discussing Minute 18 of Predator. Minute 18. All right. Minute 18, John. Oh, I have to open it up here. Sorry. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Let me give a summary. Yeah. (laughs) I was pausing. (laughs) I was pausing because I was on the wrong page. Uh, (laughs) Fix it in post. (laughs) Fix it in post. Never. Minute 18 opens with Dutch asking Dylan Dylan. what the hell the Green Blaze were doing here and ends with Billy telling Dutch they never left here. They never left here. So we're diving right into the the meat of as it were, of the situation that we didn't see this much messier noodle incident. That's right. Here we are. Uh, Everyone's freaking out. We kind of get dialogue through this whole minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see all characters, right? Yeah, we see every single character again in this minute. It's really rare. I think that we're going to see all seven of the team. And that is going to become even rarer as we hit the uh, second act of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, almost all of them have lines, but not everybody, correct? Yeah. Everybody has lines or they're moving. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or kind of moving across the background. Except for Blaine. (laughs) Right. Oh, Blaine. (laughs) The sentry. I'm just going. He's just standing guard with that. What does he have first? MP5? I think, and then he, oh, has, that's right. he has something in the duffel we'll see next minute. So we open up with a conversation between Dylan, 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 and, and Dutch. And mm-hmm. uh, they are um, understandably appalled uh, and shocked and horrified by their discovery in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be uh, Dutch or do you want to be Dylan for this line reading? Oh, okay. Let me get my script in front of me. <clears throat> uh, I'll be I'll be Dylan. Dylan. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Game Blaze out of Fort Bragg. Now, what the hell are they doing here? I don't know, Dutch. This is inhuman. Nobody told me there was an operation in this area. They shouldn't have been here. Well, somebody sent them. Walk, 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 Nice. I, I like that you, you delivered that that last line because. Uh, he makes he he totally changes tone. Dylan does when he says they shouldn't have been here. Yeah. It's it's different than just like I don't know who these people are. It was more like he's letting on like yeah I know I kind of know what's up, but they shouldn't have been here. Like this is not where they're supposed to be. Um, it's yeah. it's basically playing his hand in my opinion that he's almost like scolding these skinned alive soldiers or, or these dead skinned soldiers. Right. It's like, Oh, you, you're blowing my story here. Yeah. You, you can see him, you can see him start to wrestle with uh, his lies mm-hmm. here. Right. Like he, uh, he definitely starts to let on that. He knows a little bit more than he's, than he's saying. And uh, you get the sense that he is struggling with that a little bit. 
Yeah, and he he visibly is telling us to telling us this that it's hard to tell the truth because he's doing the classic thing where he's looking away half the time. He's talking, um, making eye contact just to sell it a little bit, but he's totally looking at the dog tag. And it's something I missed in the previous minute. You just barely see it on the corner of the screen. But Dutch, as he's giving him the head nod to say, hey, Dylan, let's go have a private conversation. Dutch is very easy. I don't know, casually giving him the dog tags, just barely out, barely on yeah. screen. And then Dylan is looking at the dog tag and, and wondering aloud about, you know, what are these people doing here? They shouldn't have been here. They shouldn't have been here. Right. And Dylan just, he looks up and down and up and down and... Dutch just stares at him the whole yeah. time. Like he doesn't take his eyes off of him. He's trying to read him, trying to figure out if he's lying or not. You kind of realize that he knows he's lying and he's trying to catch him in the lie. Um, but yeah, he's given a pretty mean stare down here. Mm-hmm. This is like Arnold, like steroids stare down. <laughs> he's like looking in the mirror as he's doing the <laughs> yeah, doing he's the curls. His- his eyebrows are wrinkled and he's, yeah, he's really giving him the, the mean mug. Yeah. And we're, we're totally giving credit to Arnold for this too. Just totally right. Selling the, selling the, that attitude of, of you're not telling us everything. And, uh, you know, th- this could lead to much worse things like look around you, look around. Right. <laughs> this could be very dangerous. This could lead to, you know, things badly lead to bad things for us. Yeah. Look at, look at Hopper's situation, but he mentions that these men are green berets out of Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. Um, did a little tiny bit of research, uh, AKA, a little. <laughs> AKA a lot of research. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to make it short and sweet, but, um, all right, let's see what you got. Sweet. Yeah. So Green Berets, uh, Green Beret specifically, when you say Green Beret, Beret, you're talking about just nomenclature wise, the headdress ceremonial that special forces soldiers would wear. Often referred to as SF. Yeah. Often referred to as SF. So not sci-fi, but your special forces. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll either say SF or uh, special forces. They adopted the whole Green Beret look and name from British commandos in World War II. And in fact, that's when Green Berets Special Forces started being used was in World War II. And if you look at the history of them, it's since World War II, they've been involved in every conflict imaginable that the U.S. has been involved in one way Mm. or the other, whether it's Cold War, World War II, just various civil wars, the Laotian Civil War, Dominican Civil War, Salvadoran Civil War. Um, because, did you, go ahead. in your, I'm sorry not to interrupt, but go ahead. in your uh, research, did it say like, did, did Green Berets have a specific type of mission that they were usually uh, used for? Um, was it like covert missions or like rescue <laughs> missions? Was there anything... <laughs> In particular, that that was uh, consistent. Hey, I'm glad you asked because that's ah. one of the notes I have. Okay. And, and, yeah, they're they tasked with five primary missions: unconventional warfare, foreign internal defense, special reconnaissance, direct action, and counterterrorism. Mm. Uh, counterterrorism, pretty self-explanatory. Direct action has to do with raids, ambushes, sabotage. Special reconnaissance or special recon has to do with being dropped behind enemy lines and relaying important information about the enemy back to base. Uh, And in fact, starting as special reconnaissance forces, reconnaissance, reconnaissance, whatever, special recon forces um, will sometimes transform into unconventional warfare forces. Those would be forces that are tasked with training basically guerrilla forces to overthrow the current power, the current government. 
which is hilarious to me because foreign internal defense has to do with supporting the government and suppressing <laughs> coup attempts from guerrillas. So basically, right. <laughs> depending on who they uh, fight um, in the country, either they're trying to overthrow as one operations of special forces or they're trying to suppress those overthrowing forces as unconventional warfare special forces. Mm. So yeah. this does this kind of bring you to your theory? Uh, well, almost, almost, almost. Okay. So. So I'll, we'll, we'll talk. How about we'll talk? Um, let me talk the connection to Dylan. Dylan. Okay. And, Dylan. Um, <laughs> then we'll talk some pop culture and then I'll share my theory. Okay, okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. No, sounds good. I don't, I don't have a lot to say about Fort Bragg other than they're the home of the special forces. Uh, namely, they call it the special operations forces. Got it. Um, so they're based and trained in Fort Bragg mm-hmm. and I'll leave the rest of the Fort Bragg research to other people. But um, their motto is de, de oppresso liber, from being an oppressed man to being a free one. So there's that idea of freeing a country from a certain occupying force um, that they don't agree with, right? That our government doesn't want ruling. Um, but I, a big connection to a previous minute that I made was that the CIA, their SAD SOG division, which I theorized that Dylan, Dylan was Dylan. part of. That's a special activities division and the special operations group heading up these um, situations where they're training guerrilla fighters to overthrow a force or they're working with the current government to suppress uh, guerrilla forces. The CIA would be recruiting from Green Berets. They'd be recruiting from special Mm. forces, which I thought was really interesting connecting that back to Dylan. Um, And for whatever reason, and I have a small theory about why Green Berets and special forces became so popular in the 80s and 90s, Mm. um, then I have a bigger reason connecting it to what we see in the movie. But for whatever reason, special forces and uh, Green Beret nomenclature became really popular in the early to mid 80s. Uh, We have movies like Delta Force. We have Commando, uh, which Mm -hmm. has both Arnold and Bill Duke as I eat green berets for breakfast. Love Commando and Alyssa Milano. Don't leave her out. And a very young Alyssa Milano. (laughs) And overalls. (laughs) And overalls. (laughs) Um, The film Executive Decision has the Special Forces counterterrorism team. Uh, I believe that's the team that is totally wrecked in the beginning with Steven Seagal. We're like, Steven Seagal's in this movie? It's like, nope. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's right. That's the one where he dies, like right in the first five minutes or whatever. Spoiler alert, everybody. Sorry. I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Lethal Weapon Riggs is is a former Special Forces uh, sniper in uh, Vietnam War. Fun fact, I named mm-hmm. my dog Riggs when I was 10 years old after Riggs. the Lethal Weapon character. <laughs> it's a true story. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, in this research I was doing called Wikipedia, it mentioned that. <laughs> it deep mentioned dive. Among the, the deep dive, like first hit, like the students, done. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it made mention that uh, the film Predator follows a team of former special forces soldiers which i thought was interesting because that's definitely someone taking that leap of saying i see what's on screen i'm going to assume they're special forces Um, so if you're someone who subscribes to that theory then there you go predators featuring some alive special forces soldiers here in the beginning um the movie walking tall features dwayne johnson as a special forces soldier Mm -hmm. and (laughs) in our favorite our second favorite movie after tango (laughs) 
and Cash. Oh, Tango. Tango and Cash. In, in this other movie, George Clooney plays a Green Beret major, Archie Gates, in this little-known movie Wait, where... what movie is that again? <laughs> soldiers are in Iraq finding gold. It's called... <laughs> Three Kings. Oh, and Marky Mark's in it too. And I shoot people and get your fucking gold. <laughs> get your fucking gold. Yeah, it's Iraqi gold. We're not here to help people. Say hi to your mother for me, all right? <laughs> I can't believe it. they said that in Mile Twenty Two. By the way, I don't. I think no, it was, did they really? And it wasn't him saying it. It was the guy from the raid who turns out to be a bad guy. Spoiler alert for a terrible movie. But at the end, no he, way. He leads they into really Marky Mark and he says, "Say hello to your mother for me," just in you know broken English. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so glad I didn't see that. It's so bad. Oh man. <laughs> I want to spoil as many movies, bad movies as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, but some other popular places you would have seen this in the 80s and 90s and I guess early 2000s, this this proliferation of um, special forces and Green Berets would be the A-Team, where everybody there are from yeah. a special forces team. Um, everybody, you know, B.A. Baracus, Face, uh, the crazy one, and the leader, Hannibal. And who's yeah. the crazy one? Murdoch is Murdoch the Murdoch. crazy one. Um, uh, Burn notice. Uh, it mentions Michael Weston, a former Green Beret and Delta Force operator. I haven't seen that one. So, anyway, uh, let's see. There's a lot of GI Joe characters who are special forces that didn't take much looking, but Duke, yeah. Snake Eyes, Ooh, Flint, Duke. Falcon. He was my favorite. Flint and Falcon, in fact, are wearing the Green Berets and <laughs> the battle all the time, which you really wouldn't do as a green beret you wear actual right. combat things but it's gi joe for you they're all wearing whatever they want to wear in battle <laughs> uh let's see what else oh i i thought one was a couple really interesting ones from tv shows knight rider featured michael knight who i never yes. knew is michael knight was a former green beret so he's no forces. idea i thought he was just a former douchebag <laughs> <laughs> david hasselhoff green beret turned lifeguard i mean that's oh, that's quite the turn yeah it is Taking lives yeah. to saving lives. <laughs> I thought he was just a former like hair blow dryer <laughs> spokesperson. <laughs> his, we can, flowy, he, his flowy mane. You can't be wearing a green beret over that. that no, you got to let that yeah. fly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, my favorite of the TV series references is that Principal Skinner um, is an ex green beret, and you see that. I remember in some of the flashbacks he has, especially early on, he's like, "You got an ex green beret, man." In the Vietnam War, and like, John- <laughs> that's amazing. I had I did not remember that or know that. I'm, I'm just now remembering that where he's like, his buddy is on the boat with him in the river, and his buddy's like, is shot up. And he's like, Johnny. There's Johnny. <laughs> I love that because he's such a like pushover pansy idiot as a principal. And to think that he was at some point in his life, a green beret, you just want to ask yourself like what happened to him to like break him down. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> and we, we see part of that actually in the movie, in the show, which is yeah. Tying it together. Um, in the video games, we have the Metal Gear Solid uh, video game series. I've played quite a few of those games. Have you played any of those? Hmm. I have not played the Metal Gear Solid games, no. Okay, so that would be Solid Snake and uh, one of the bad guys, Big Boss, their former Green Berets. How about Mortal Kombat? You ever played Mortal Kombat? Play 
Mortal Kombat. Wait, there who in know. Mortal Kombat is a Green Beret? So Sonya Blade and Jax. So, so I think Sonya uh, Blade was one of the original characters, and Jax was added in two, I believe. So they're what both. What about Guile from Street Fighter? Was he a Green Beret? Oh, that's a good point. I always took him to be Air Force. Basically, if you want to sound like an awesome fighter and inventive in combat situations, we're learning you just call yourself a special forces soldier or a green right. beret which leads me back to my original bigger theory here or my small i have two theories here i have a small theory and a big theory small okay. theory first is why were these things so why was it so popular to have special forces soldiers and people with green beret pass and this is all emerging in the 80s and 90s well my small theory is that the one i haven't mentioned yet um this 1982 movie called first blood which mm. was based on 1972 David Morrell book was was all about the soldier who comes back to the U.S. He has a lot of PS, PTSD flashbacks and troubles, and he's essentially like a, a drifter, a wanderer, going from town to town. And in the movie First Blood, um, and as well with the, with the book, he he is struggling so immensely that he's he's taken on like the local sheriff and um whatever these, these these other forces do you want to talk a little bit about first blood because yes. you just watched it as I research did. It's, yeah you brought this up and we we were talking off off mic before we started and um i realized that i i had never seen first blood that my i've seen rambo movies or clips of rambo movies right like all the rambo sequels always played on cable when i was a kid and so my image of a rambo movie was was like the parody of rambo from uhf right you know and uh, so recently I watched the original First Blood and it is a fantastic movie. I highly recommend anyone who has not seen it. It is legitimately good. It's a good action movie, but it's also just a good movie period because you're right. It is about it's character based and it is definitely about uh, John Rambo who's struggling with PTSD. He's wandering. He's a drifter and he drifts into this town and kind of runs into the local police. Really, the local police just harass him for being mm-hmm. a, a homeless person, essentially wandering through the town. And their their run-in escalates to the point that um, he's taken into the local jail. Uh, he They provoke him. He gets angry. Violence happens, and he breaks out. And um, the rest of the movie, as most people probably know, is them chasing John Rambo through the, the wooded countryside. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. Like the action sequences are great. Um, it's shot really well. It's like I said, it's very character based. So because of the first part of the movie, you really, you really feel for John Rambo. Like he's not just a two dimensional character. You really are rooting for him. Right. Um, yeah. It's really good. So I, I have to believe that this first movie, first blood, and then the sequel, it comes three years later where they basically go from alien to aliens and turn him into like this, this massive Hulk who's just taking on enemy forces right. dozens just at a super time. Super soldier. Yeah. A bristling armament um, at his disposable, <laughs> at, his dis- at his disposal. Never ending um, bullets. Yeah, exactly. Just pour more lead on it, pour more bullets on it. <laughs> right. Um, I, th- I think this has a huge impact. I think this is pretty much like the the whatever starts the fire for Delta Force and Green Beret and Special Forces being yeah. so popular in the eighties. So that's that. my small that's my small theory. I like it. My, I like it. My 
my bigger theory is uh, if you remember what the roots of predator were when people were first shopping around the idea it was the theory it was the story of rocky having beaten all these terrestrial combatants now he has to finally fight an alien and who plays rocky well Sylvester Stallone plays Rocky. What else right. does Sylvester Stallone play? He plays a Green Beret, Special Forces soldier. Yes. Rambo. So yes. when they come across the bodies here in Minute 18, which has taken, I think, 20 minutes for me to complete my theory. Um, <laughs> when they come across the bodies here in Minute 18, I think this is meant to be a placeholder for saying, hey, look, we've had this big, bad um, creature, this big, bad force already taking on the biggest, baddest dudes, the special forces, the Green Berets, off screen. And there was no contest, knocked them dead, literally strung them up as, you know, not even take home trophies mm. uh, as a way to say, like, this is, this is your best. <laughs> is, right. is that your best? That's your is best. That's You're going to flay them and hang them from the trees. Right. Right. I, I think this is meant to remind us when he says Green Berets, I think in the eighties, you would have been saying something like, holy shamoli that's mm -hmm. that's insane that something could do this that easily to green berets these things i've seen popularized through tv shows and movies and video games as being like these indestructible soldiers right um, as these super soldiers as the best of the best as driving around a car that talks to you there's no way that could <laughs> there's no way something could take out michael knight <laughs> And or that's air. Exactly. <laughs> Michael, I sense a predator. All right. What do you think? I, I like that theory. I think it's I think that's spot on. I like the theory right. that um, Rambo kicked off the Green Beret uh, trend or craze, if you will, the 80s mm -hmm. action movie. And um, I think that fits in nicely with the theory that Sylvester Stallone was sort of the original framework for for this movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, John, we are 11 <laughs> seconds into this minute. <laughs> should, should we move on to the next part? <laughs> we should definitely move on. So why don't you tell me what happens in the next, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds? <laughs> Well, we get uh, a little line of dialogue from Poncho, correct? Correct. All right. So, um, yeah. So Dylan and Dutch finish staring each other down. And then Poncho, the camera kind of is, we can sort of see the bodies in the trees a little bit. And then we, mm -hmm. we see Poncho. And then he says, should I, <clears throat> do you want to be Poncho? You want me to be Poncho? <laughs> How about you be Poncho? He says, I, I watched this part like 14 times so I can do it. The gorilla skinned them? Why did they skin them? <laughs> he says it kind of like a young boy. <laughs> like yeah. He's, like, like, he's, like his innocence has been taken from him, which I, I can understand that. I, even a special forces soldier would probably be pretty rattled by a bunch of flayed bodies hanging from the trees. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give him a little, uh, give him a little credit there. Yeah, and it might, it might be something brand new to all of them, something they've never seen, but he just tends to be a little more vocal when it comes to, I don't know, everything. Like he's, 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 he's good about kind of, he's good about letting us know as the audience, what to be feeling. He's a good audience yeah. surrogate. For yep. You're exactly scenes. right. He's kind of saying what the rest of us are, are thinking. That's true. Yeah. And nobody says anything. Nobody, that's the only time that we're really spinning on the fact that these are that these soldiers are skinned yeah. until Dutch brings it up. Dutch will bring it up in a future scene. Um, but that's 
for another day. That's for another week. Yeah. Um, so soon after that, uh, we see uh, we see Mac. Mac. Wop. Mac. <laughs> Mac. <laughs> he totally does that too in the in the drop. He totally does that. <laughs> really? Here, let me. I'm going to bring in the drop here because I in the drop. You have it. I, I've actually been making a lot of. Just it literally just says drop and then here we go. Mac, 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 That is amazing. You need to drop that as often as possible. Every time we say Mac, you need to pause our vocals and play that. <laughs> right, just have the plane. <laughs> yeah, just the Mac. Oh my god, that's amazing. Your editing skills are really you're really honing those editing skills, John. I'm very impressed. <laughs> it, it, it can go a little bit overboard, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I love the overboard. Okay. Cool. Send it overboard. All right, so we get Mac and I'll give you Max line since I t- <laughs> since I took Poncho. <laughs> <laughs> you take Mac. Okay. <laughs> so, so Mac walks up to his buddy, and this is, I think, the first time you see any kind of connection between him and anybody else. You see him uh, walk right over to Blaine, and Blaine is clearly our, our sentry uh, of this scene. He's or of the unit. He has, yeah. you know, his gun out and this huge duffel bag at his waist, and just looking straight out, not making eye contact with anybody. Mac walks basically past him and looks out his own way, not even at Blaine, and says ain't no way for no soldier to die yeah and that's ain't no way for no soldier to die that's right and we'll we'll see um another exchange uh, next minute between the two of them where blaine i think has his first line in the jungle yeah we're, we're seeing we're seeing the first time like in my opinion like some camaraderie between these two we're on the chopper they didn't mm-hmm. share any dialogue they didn't really kind of share any well um, mac was busy shaving so mac was busy shaving yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have time to talk. He had to yeah. get the last couple whiskers there <laughs> off of his neck. Right. We're not going to have time in the jungle. Just do it now. Yeah. Okay. So now we kind of get, so he's no, no way for a, no soldier to die. Mm-hmm. And then the whole second half of the minute is pretty much between Dutch and Billy, a conversation. They Billy. Have, correct. Billy. Right. Um, oh, I don't so, have that one yet, but I do have. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. It'll never get old. It'll never get old. Um, sorry, listeners. It never gets old. Um, never gets old. So we get a shot of, uh, I assume that is Billy picking up some uh, cartridges, some shells mm-hmm. out of the jungle. And he's kind of holding them in his hand and looking at them. And then for the whole, pretty much the last 30 seconds, last 25 seconds of the minute, we get their conversation. Yeah, we're 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 hearing them talk. Do you want to do a little dramatic line reading again? Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to be Dutch or Billy this time? Uh, how's your southern drawl? Mm, I can I can make that work. All right. Cool. You be Billy, then I'll be Dutch. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> what happened here, Billy? Strange, Major. There was a firefight. They were shooting in all directions. Can't believe that Jim Hopper walked into an ambush. I don't believe he did. I can't find a single track. Just doesn't make sense. What about the rest of Hopper's men? There's no signs. They never left here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I mentioned noodle incident. We're definitely having like a bigger, gorier noodle incident than, well, maybe than yeah. what happened in Afghanistan. Because we don't know what happened in Afghanistan and we're never going to know what happened here. So that's yeah. that 
We just know the outcome. I mean, we can guess clearly. I mean, the specifics, no, but whatever did happen, you know, having seen the the film, we know the predator hangs out in the trees. We can assume that this bunch of soldiers just predator dropped down, easily took care of them, skinned them, hung them up. And that was that. Yeah. Made some easy work of this squad of Rambos. And in fact, not so special forces. Not so special forces. <laughs> um, and, and I think what adds, well, I know what adds to the mystery is that we only see three of them strung up here. And when Dutch asks what happened to the other soldiers, mm. Billy has no answers, no right. sign of uh, the attacker, uh, no trail, no track out of here. They just, right. I think he's, what, right. what does he say in the end? They, they didn't leave here. There's no signs. They never left here. They never left here. Which, you can't find a single track. Yeah. And he, he does mention, Dutch says, I can't believe you walked in ambush. And Billy says, I don't believe you did. I, I don't know what else you would call it when you're <laughs> surprised in the middle of the jungle by <laughs> right, yeah. force other than an ambush. I mean, that seems like the primary way the predator would be taking people out, people out with its tools, with his weapons. I guess uh, in his mind, a traditional ambush would be a bunch of people, you know, hiding somewhere and waiting mm-hmm. for them to show up. And, and But he can't find any evidence of people that were hiding or they hadn't made any foxholes they hadn't you know <laughs> done anything there's no evidence of of any people that were there hiding setting a trap setting an ambush right mm-hmm. so maybe that's what he's getting at um sure. it, in his experience it doesn't look like that situation but you're right that's that's actually what happened <laughs> he's just <laughs> never seen an ambush like this one mm-hmm. yeah just never seen an ambush where uh, these, you know, right, half of the people are, are killed right there and then there are no tracks out. I think that plays a big part in him uh, discounting the ambush theory that, right, normally you'd find a track or you'd find some kind of trail um, leading away you know, right. from the scene. So we should talk about uh, Billy's thousand yard stare in this scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about it? Well, he does that. You put this down in your notes. I thought it was a good observation. He does that classic, somewhat of a trope. I was trying to think of other movies or scenes from movies where we get this, and I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. But uh, where you know we get someone who's a little shell shocked. Yeah. Traumatized. Traumatized. Perfect. Yeah. And they're explaining what happened or or they can't explain what happened and as they're talking they're not making eye contact with anyone and just sort of staring off you know at the wall or in this case the jungle yeah totally yeah we get that classic you know i guess you could find lots of other war movies i was just thinking of a character that does that yeah yeah. Right, they dropped in on us and told you know took us by surprise, and we were right. picked off like you know so easily. And the whole time they're just focused on something. Normally, though, I would say a trope of that kind of scene would be the um, camera pushing into the face of the speaker. Mm. Instead, this is purely a static shot on basically the talking heads of Billy and Dutch. Uh, meant to again kind of give us a little bit of a side conversation just like dutch was having with dylan just like dutch has with basically everybody in his squad at some point just having his little aside conversation whether it's to try to lighten the mood lighten the morale of poncho panchito Panchito. (laughs) earlier (laughs) a nice plate of panchitos Mm. extra sour cream and guac i like it spicy i'll take three stars yeah, and we get some good. Uh, we get some more excellent Arnold uh, facial expressions. 
Mm-hmm. Non nonverbal acting in this scene. You mentioned the uh, kind of his his little double take. Yeah, that he does. Yeah, yeah. It's just just the kind of like he's he's looking away too, and then Billy mentions right. I don't think it was an ambush, and then Dutch has to look back down on him, just mm-hmm. like I'm taking I'm taking aback by what you just said. Right. And he says, I don't believe they were, as in we're ambushed. You know, Arnold has to look at him and give him just some like listening looks, just like I'm listening. I'm trying to take in the information. And I have to process this because I'm the leader of the group right. uh, to calculate the next move. And yeah, I, I think the next move for this team is is going to be hardening their resolve for finding whoever the F did this to the soldiers. Like if they weren't already driven, like right. now that they found these men with American equipment. They're, maybe they're this, maybe this explains a little bit about why when they get to the camp, they just start hucking grenades. Yeah. yeah <laughs> they don't. They no start mercy. giving a shit. They don't care. Yeah, they just <laughs> let's push this car down the hills, throw some grenades, like f these guys. Right. Like we we're not going to get skinned. We're just going to throw bombs at you. Right. So, send them all to hell. Is, we're not going to be asking any questions. Yeah. So I don't. Uh, maybe uh, I was overreacting earlier. Maybe that whole scene makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I when you put in that context, yeah, especially at the next minute, like that is when uh, Blaine pulls the minigun out of the satchel. And, right. right. It says payback time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally locks and loads it. It's it's yeah, that didn't come out before they found these skin bodies that came out afterwards. And true. Yeah, we're in it. we're just along with them now, like, okay, we're just this spirit of vengeance now. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> coming down. Uh, just to wipe out any, any opposing forces with, with impunity. Yeah. All right. So that kind of brings us to the end of the minute. Um, yeah. Did you have some other points? Did did you want to reference the uh, field manual? I uh, did. I yeah. To, let's play on the, in the background. I have my drop here. Right here. Yes. We'll see. Um, but... <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, I really like that drop. Awesome, thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great one. Mac, 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 Mac. 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 I one. love that last one. Mac, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the stuff you can find on YouTube. But, oh, um, shit, that's great. Uh, every week or so, I'm consulting the old field manual for the Army jungle operations written field, in 1982 field manual minute yeah field manual minute in <laughs> uh, this section uh, i found a few pages well more than a few pages in the field manual concerning ambush and counter ambush tactics yeah it, it, it notes that a way to avoid ambushes it will it, let's go back so don't it, join it, the army don't join right? <laughs> is that the first sentence don't don't involve yourself in other people's civil wars how about right. that like <laughs> Step one, (laughs) major in in computer science. (laughs) Step one, have crippling blindness. (laughs) Step one, chop off your left foot. (laughs) I think that was a movie with Daniel Day-Lewis, right? Oh, (laughs) right. That's right. All right. Step two, find Saddam's gold. I'm sorry. The fucking gold. Fucking gold. <laughs> Jungle operations does not mention any kind of gold seeking, but uh, Jungle operations uh, talks a little bit about when it introduces ambushes. It speaks of ambushes as a way for whoever is using the ambush to gain the initiative to resupply, uh, based on you know the fallen things that they can pick off the 
uh, cornered prey. Uh, they can disrupt en- enemy operations with ambushes. They can capture prisoners. They can gain enemy intelligence, but mm. they can also just plain destroy enemy forces. And that is totally what the predator uh, is going with in, in, in his ambush that we do not see. It says to avoid ambushes, uh, just you need to be alert, have good noise discipline, well-rehearsed signals. And it's something I totally feel that Dutch and his team have mastered when they're moving through the jungle all the time. They're you know, moving quietly, except in this minute, obviously, they're doing some exposition dump. Sure. But, you know, you see him use the hand signals. You, you, you mm-hmm. hear him saying, like, no noise when he's talking about um, pursuing the trail. Um, and then my favorite of the ambush tactics, if you are ambushed, it says the key is early detection followed by reflex type counteraction, a high volume of return fire and relentless <laughs> pursuit. And yes. <laughs> we see a high volume of return fire um, when Blaine, Blaine is taken read down. that page. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody read that page. Right. His yeah. will and testament, I think, said, when I die in the jungle, pick up my minigun and just return fire at a high volume. <laughs> Do you think off off camera he was like, remember page 47. <laughs> remember return fire. <laughs> Paragraph 3, line 7. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I love how, yeah, just so many of these little things just pop up in the movie. Again, yeah, it's great. Give credit it's a really good find. Or I, they must have had this thing like in their lap on the beach as they're writing this, this, you know, the script for this movie in mm. 1985. Um, and can I mention the 1985 script while we're here? Oh, please. Okay, there's just a few differences uh, in the script for this scene. But in the script, uh, in the 1985 original script, there is no exchange about Hopper and the Green Berets between Dutch and Dylan. Uh, Dutch mm-hmm. is named Matheny in the script. Dylan is named Dixon. Uh, everybody has different names except for uh, Blaine and Panchito or Ramirez. Hmm. But uh, in the script, Panchito just says fucking animals, which you can I- imagine him saying in the movie. Sure. Being this kind of right scared little boy almost like yeah yeah these guys are just they're just the rudest just, just, just so mean animals. yeah, yeah. um any, any other differences here um i guess the another character difference is that billy named miguel is originally central american indian in the script and he gives these really like tonto like responses he'll give like half spanish answers and then he'll just mm. say something like movement everywhere much confusion and I, i'm really I, glad they they yeah. changed that i'm glad that they changed it they, they gave i mean the, the guy uh sonny landham has this great southern accent which right in some of our minds yeah. might go against type of like your traditional tropey you know native american scout guide but we don't need like the stereotypical indian saying like how you know like <laughs> right movement over there like <laughs> right. that's that's terrible. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm really glad they made the choice to change that up. Because Likewise. It's somewhat, well, it is offensive and also just ex- incredibly predictable. 
Yeah. Predictable and yeah, just overly simplistic and, and right. Deep. Right. Yeah, it doesn't give him personality. No. It just just makes him a caricature. I agree. So I think that's the end of our conversation of this minute. Um Yeah. We got I think we got it all. Yeah. Uh did you have any final thoughts about this minute before we talk weekly recommends? Mm. Um no. <laughs> <laughs> we, no, we we really did cover it all. I think I think we I, uh, gleaned everything from this. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to uh, talk about the score and the music a little bit, but you know, in this minute, we don't get a lot of it. Um, yeah, because the dialogue is going, um, and there's you know, we don't get like a dramatic reveal, or there's not really a suspenseful buildup at all. So the the score kind of. Uh, dissolves into the background a little bit here yeah it's something i meant to mention with the indiana jones guys here last week is that the previous minute had this great moment in the score when they are all just looking up at the bodies it's not like this horror score it's not the suspenseful score it's like this indiana jonesy kind of music of like when you just discovered something not Mm. even like something gruesome necessarily just like this kind of high reflective strings just this And you're just you're just wondering like what is that supposed to be making me feel? Is it most supposed yeah. to be making me feel like some kind of relief or you know uh, something like really reflective about this minute? And I don't know, but I really liked that one. But I didn't have a chance to talk about it last week, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to get everything in there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a minute time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. All right. Yeah. Do you want to recommend something for the listener to check out? Sure. Can I recommend a, a small handful of movies that I've watched recently? No. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So I've got two newer movies and one old movie. So okay. my newer movies is, well, the first one is uh, a film that came out this year that is called Bodied. Mm, and bodied. it is, I, this is a movie that I liked way more than I probably should have. It, it was... <laughs> I can't remember the director's name. It was directed by the same person that directed a movie called Detention that came out a couple of years ago that is somewhat of a modern cult classic. I'm actually not a huge fan of Detention. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek horror movie, um, but I know it has a, a pretty strong cult following mm-hmm. out there. And so I, I decided to check out this director's next movie. And it is about a a white kid who's like a grad student who is studying battle rap as part of his thesis oh interesting and and he ends up getting sort of sucked into the underground world of battle rapping as you do uh, as you do and ends up becoming himself a battle rapper and and it is sort of part eight mile but also it's somewhat self-aware and kind of a comedy Mm. um and uh, I don't know. I watched it late at night last weekend, and uh, I was totally entertained by it. I, like I said, I probably enjoyed it much more than than I should have. But I that was, it was called. It was called. Thank you. It was called Bodied. B O. <laughs> yes. Nice. Wow. Serendipitous. Yeah. Um, my next movie is oh, uh, oh, it, before before you go on. Do I have oh, it correct yes. that I think does Bodied mean when you're pairing up? your hip-hop vocals to like an already existing beat i think so they uh this is two white guys talking about <laughs> underground battle rap minute uh, in a scholastic sense of course <laughs> and how did they, this body <laughs> in the in the movie they use it as a term uh meaning kind of like you got bodied like or 
as sort of a way to say that uh, you nailed it, right? Like, Just bodies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so that's what I, I, I think it means. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then my second movie is a, is a horror movie. Anyone that knows me knows I love horror films. I know you're not a big horror uh, fan, John, um, <laughs> so you might want to skip this one. But uh, okay. this is a horror anthology that just came out recently. It's available on VOD. You can rent it. And uh, I listened to another podcast called Shockwaves Ooh. that is um, about it's, – it's a horror movie podcast. It's great. I think it's the best one out there. One of the hosts of Shockwaves – Whose her name is uh, Rebecca McKendry. Her and her husband wrote and directed uh, their their own movie, Ooh. and it's a it's a holiday themed horror anthology. It's called um, "All the Creatures Are Stirring," hmm. and uh, it's pretty good. I am recommending it because if you are a fan of horror and independent horror, you should support uh, smaller independent horror projects. When you watch the film, you can tell that it's a smaller film with a lower budget, um, and it was maybe a director's first movie. But I thought it was fun and uh, pretty cool that she um, was able to make this film. And I always love seeing women directors in the horror world because we need more of them. Awesome. Yeah. So all the creatures were stirring. I think I remember seeing your tweet about that. Yes. In, yes. In support of that movie. Awesome. Did yeah. Try, try, trying to get it out there. Yeah. All the Carl Hungus followers, like just, <laughs> it just popped right just, up on their phones. Just, like, ah. just flooded. Yeah. Just flooded her. <laughs> she, she, she's already greenlit for the next project because of me. You're welcome. Rebecca McKendry. <laughs> Shout out. Did you have any other uh, recommends? Oh yeah. I was going to do one more and this is a, this is an older movie. Movie, um, but I recently revisited uh, a Jackie Chan film Ooh. and realized how much I still love it. And it's called uh, Operation Condor. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So in the early 90s, when Jackie Chan uh, became famous in the U.S., uh, because of Rumble in the Bronx, they decided, the studio decided to go back and find some of his older movies and re release them in the U.S trying to kind of cash in on his newfound fame. Sure. And one of them, yeah, one of them was called uh, Armor of God 2, mm. which they changed its name to Operation Condor for the U.S. release. Which they did and all I the remember, time for all his U.S. releases, right. I've noticed. <laughs> right. And I remember going to see this. So I was a, I discovered Jackie Chan when I was a teenager. And I remember going to see this in the theater when I was like, I want to say like 17 and I remember loving it, but I had never seen it since. Mm. So I gave it a rewatch and uh, yeah, still holds up. It's, it's freaking awesome. Operation Condor. Um, yeah. Opera, it's kind of hard to find. Um, but uh, at, at the very least watch the first half hour. Cause there is a chase scene that culminates with him flying off of the car and catching a cargo net hanging above the water. That is, Fan fucking tastic. So, wow. highly highly recommend Operation Condor. Is that the Jackie one Chan. that ends and they're on a mountain and that's where like the climactic battle happens? It's like some mountain. Yes. Lodge, I think? Yeah. Well, it's like I think it's like a uh, like a pyramid, like a desert. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so no, not at all. <laughs> but, it, but it is on top of a large sandy hills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I must be thinking of another Jackie Chan movie. Uh, does this movie have yeah, they, uh, high flying stunts and? Just kick butt action nonstop from beginning to end. It does. Okay. I, it does. I think I know yeah, that movie. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Jackie Chan. They all run together. I get it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
So sorry, that was kind of a long recommend segment, but uh, oh, I love I it. A few things I, I wanted to get out there. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you're able to find so much time with kids. I I have a little bit of time these days, and what I would recommend is season three of Daredevil. Uh, I don't know if you've watched mm. the first couple seasons. I I have not. You know how I feel about the Marvel Universe, John. I know how much you love it so much that you just have to <laughs> suppress it. You're like, I'm not going to let my love show. <laughs> yeah, I know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like me in horror uh, so, movies. <laughs> right. So that's, exa- that's exactly right. So you your job is to take care of that side of pop culture, and I'll do the other oh, side. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Mike and I are going to go see, shout out to Mike Fleming, um, oh, yeah. yeah, we're going to go see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse tomorrow. Which Oh, the animated one? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, I think it'll I've be, heard it's good. Yeah, I've heard it's good too. And at the end of Venom, you're able to see like a little five-minute clip. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was cool to see, really kinetic and really funny and looks like some good character-driven moments. But Ooh, Nice. Well, you'll have to give us your full review next week. Totally. Uh, that's something I recommend. The American, and like I said, is Daredevil Season 3. If you've been mm-hmm. following Daredevil the first two seasons, and like me, you skip Defenders, which is like the, it's like the All Star where they pulled together like Daredevil, Iron Fist, mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. It's like three other series I never watched, but like, oh, they pulled them all together. Pulled them all together for like this super season of them fighting some big bads. I didn't watch it because I was mm-hmm. pretty bored in the first couple episodes. But anyway, fast forward to Daredevil season three. You know, uh, Daredevil's walking out of that situation somehow and recuperating and all that jazz. But what they really do well is introducing this new villain. I don't want to spoil anything and say who the villain is or his origin, but just know it's a well-known Daredevil uh, villain. And I think Mm. they treat not only just the character in the background really well, but they do some amazing camera work. Now that I'm like having a better eye for camera work, I like they're doing so much with the camera if you're paying attention to tell you about the character's mental state and the, the character's motivations and um, you know, the isolation of the character to really right visually tell you everything you need to know before you, you know, hear him speak or hear his thoughts, um, see his flashbacks. Yeah. So recommend right. Daredevil cool. season three. You can find that on the old Netflix. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So I uh, just want to give a shout out for chaos Ware doing our music for the intro and the outro, the, heavy metal version of the Predator theme, originally by Alan Silvestri. That's Chaosware, K-A-O-S-W-A-R-E. And uh, give credit to Smooth McGroove, who does the acapella versions for... Great name. Yeah, the video game uh, theme songs. And you can find him online or on Twitter. Oh, speaking of Twitter, Jeff, where can people find you? Oh, <laughs> glad you asked, John. <laughs> that would be Carl with a K underscore capital H Hungus 314. My name is Carl H. Been expert. Please come follow me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where can we find you, John? Oh, thank you for asking, Carl Hungus. Uh, you can... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was smooth Back. groove. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, but, man, we're going to use that. Yeah, time. way okay. too many times. Yeah. So sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Not sorry. Um, but if you have some really cool Green Beret Special Force references or want to correct us on something we did wrong, <laughs> which is unlikely that that ever happened, uh, you can <laughs> email us at PredatorMinute at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook at Predator Minute Podcast. We are hosted on SoundCloud. Thank you, SoundCloud. And just find us on any old podcatcher app. 
out there. And for Predator Minute, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time. (laughs) 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 Stick around. (laughs) 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 (laughs)